Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about our everyday work on transparency and accountability, both in Chicago and now spreading around the country um, at chicagojustice.org. So we have a packed show for you today. We're gonna, our main segment today is on Lightfoot and her issues with torture between being a candidate and being a mayor um, and just what the differences and the flip-flops that have happened since uh, she got into office. Then we're gonna talk about the Sun-Times editorial on police reform. Uh, mayor Lightfoot sticking the first new Boys and Girls Club in many years in Chicago is gonna be constructed on the police academy grounds. I don't understand that. Then we're going to talk about an editorial from the Sun-Times, again, on gun law loopholes. And then we're going to turn to national stuff and talk about myths around defunding, the what's happened in Charlotte um, related to policing and um, how the police have pulled back and made less arrests. And actually, for most, if not all of that time, it has meant less violence, too, which most people talking about defunding don't want to talk about. Um, so that's what's on um, on tap for today's show. Here, um, before we get into our first main segment, I want to talk to you about sponsoring, sponsorships. We would love to do this show more often. We do it three times a week. Love to turn it into five. We'd love to be able to stream the city council, the police board meetings, Cook County board meetings, and the General Assembly when they're dealing with criminal justice issues. But we need your support to do it. You can go to our site at chicagojustice.org and hit sponsor. Donate, and you can donate to sponsor this show. If you want to do a corporate one, let us know at infochicagojustice.org, and we can customize a sponsorship program for your company. Wonderful. Here's our first segment today. And the title of the article is from BEZ, and I was really, when I first looked at it, it was really kind of, I'm like, oh my God, this seems going to be a great story. I'm, a, I'm about a 50-50 on this one in particular, but let's, Let's, uh, let's go into it. Let's get into it. Here's the title. Mayor Lightfoot says police tortured at least 100 black Chicagoans. But our law department tells a different story. This basically has to do with um, the fact that the mayor, when she was running and head of the police accountability task force says, oh yeah, Birds tortured over 100 people, him and his men did it, and yeah, it actually happened, and yeah, no problem, it's absolutely true. And then when she gets into office, everything's a flip-flop, right? Because that's what politicians do. They flip-flop, and Mayor Lightfoot is an expert at flip-flopping. The only thing she might be better at, actually, is pointing fingers at others. So, in this article, and this is where I'm about 50-50 on it, this article was fed to... Um, BEZ and uh, Chip Mitchell, I believe, is the one who did this article, wrote it. I'm sure it was fed to him by the civil rights lawyers that are suing um, the city right now on behalf of one plaintiff named James Gibson, who did many, many years, I think 25, 30 years, got out, got a certificate, uh, got a certificate of innocence from the governor, um, and he's suing for all the time he did for no reason and for the torture. And... And the largest settlement to date related to Birds and all of his misdeeds and all his cronies' misdeeds has been $10.2 million. Gibson is suing for 65. Of course, it is in the it is in the um, it's in the job description for city lawyers to defend the city from things. So yes, um, <laughs> they're saying. No, it never happened. Gibson never happened. It never happened to Gibson. And it's never happening. And there's four other cases where they're saying, oh, it didn't. Four or five other cases. And it never happened. And they're basically downplaying all of the Burge torture allegations and four or five specific ones. Now, the reason I'm 50-50 on this one is that that's sort of their job. But at the same time, the flip-flop on this is that a Mayor Lightfoot, if you know what happened, are any of these credible? Then get to a settlement agreement and get it over with. And don't have your lawyers going into court and saying, hey, they didn't do it. This is the, nothing like this ever happened. This is phony. 
So that's where we get the problem. She wants the political cred, right, for saying it during the campaign. And she wants the progressive lefty vote for saying it. But when it comes down to action and decisions, not so much. So let's get to a couple quotes from the article. Um, in, in a lawsuit brought by Anthony Jakes, Lightfoot administration denied a claim that members of the Chicago Police Department during the Burge era routinely manufactured evidence against innocent people by coercing, manipulating, threatening, pressuring, and often and offering inducements to suspects and witnesses. I'm going to comment, but I want to get to a second one. You got to look at the language, right? June 3rd. 2020. In a lawsuit brought by Arnold Day, Lightfoot administration denied that it was common or for suspects interrogated by the Chicago Police Department during the Burge era to falsely confess under extreme duress and after suffering abuse to, to committed crimes to which they had no connection or for which there was scant evidence suggests they were involved. The city also denied that CPD had a widespread practice of coercing suspects using physical and psychological evidence. Now, are the statements as they are here in, in contradict Mayor Lightfoot's campaign promises and what she said as Police Accountability Task Force? As these are worded, I don't think so. I think the civil rights lawyers are trying to pull a fast one. Chip Mitchell kind of bought it, and that, that was a mistake. And I, I like a lot of the lawyers, but they're trying to pull a fast one. So let's get to the language. Members of the Chicago Police Department during the Burge era, are the, all the members, some members, just the members that worked for Burge? No, they're applying to the entire department. Routinely manufactured evidence against innocent people by coercing, right? Who did that? The entire department? Is that what we're saying? The entire department, every member of the department did that. Is that what you're saying? That's what it makes them seem like they're pushing. And of course, the city lawyers are going to push back on that, and that isn't reflective of the truth. Um, I, it'd be fine if you had evidence. They don't have evidence of that. You want to rip what the Bur what the Burge and Burge and his cronies did? That's fine. But this is trying to push those allegations to the entire department, and that's just it's just wrong. In the second quote, Life Administration denied that it was common for a suspect interrogated by the Chicago Police Department during the Burge era to falsely confess under extreme duress. Okay, once again. Bergera was 20 years. And what they're saying is every suspect, every suspect, it was routine or common. Mm. For the entire department, department-wide, they all did it? Routinely, commonly? No. No. This, again, is, a, is, a, is a, the lawyers trying to pull a fast one past the city lawyers. And, of course, they're going to push back on that. I don't really have a problem with that. Chip Mitchell, Chip Mitchell should have pushed back on that against the civil rights lawyers. Like, who are you talking about? Burge and his cronies were on it. The entire department, where's your evidence? It doesn't mean others weren't doing some things that were bad outside of the Burge group, and I'm sure many were. But how many? They don't have numbers. No, that's, that's a linguistic trick this time the civil rights are lawyers are trying to pull. So I don't, I don't have any problem with the city lawyers pushing back on that. Let's continue. On a September 6, 2019, or some, ah, September 6, 2019, a suit brought by James Gibson, man we talked about earlier, Lightfoot administration denied that it has, has been well documented that officers under Burge regularly engaged in torture while interrogating suspects, especially young African-American suspects, in order to solve crimes. Ding, 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 we have a winner. It was well documented. Incredibly so. You know who documented it? Lori Lightfoot, the mayor. So that, that's wrong. And the city, the lawyer in the law department that pushed that, that said that in court, if indeed that's what happened, fired, terminated. And the mayor should get grief. What is she doing? Does she have any idea what's going on in her law department? The answer is no. We have a civil, we have a FOIA suit three and a half, over three years now. Over three years. What has Mayor Lightfoot done to stop it? What has changed in their behavior since that time? No. Let's get to the next one. In March 2nd, 2020 argument, I guess. In closing arguments at the trial of a suit brought by Stanley Rice, if I'm pronouncing that right, an attorney for Lightfoot administration said a witness who testified about torture by Burge-led detectives, I think it's supposed to say witnesses, had no credibility, and that three other witnesses had told fairy tales about being beat up by the defendants. 
The city had paged Burge era related torture settlements to all four witnesses. Three of those payouts stemmed from a 2015 reparations ordinance that required each of each to have a credible claim of torture or physical abuse. The city council put their stamp of approval on the application for these five of these people, five of these people, that their allegations of torture were indeed credible. And we gave them $100,000 for that. The city did, right? Now the mayor, now Lightfoot's law department is going in and saying, no, they're full of crapola. No, no, that's all fairy tales. Wait a minute. Your city council, who oversees your work, by the way, said their allegations are credible. What the hell are you talking about there, fairy tales? Another one, Mayor Lightfoot, get in front of the camera and answer damn questions. Journalists put it to her. Also, push to find out who this lawyer is, put their name out there, and get them fired. Gone. That duplicitous crap's got to go. Let's go. We have one more. May 7th, 2021, so a recent argument. In a suit brought by Corey Batchelor, Lightfoot administration denied the substance of findings and opinions by city officials, federal judges, federal juries, and a special prosecutor and other officials about the Burge-led torture. For example, her administration denied that the CPD Office of Professional Standards Director Gail Shines approved as compelling an OPS investigator's landmark 1990 findings about the torture. The investigator identified 50 instances in which detectives under Burge subjected black suspects to torture and other abuse. Yeah, that there's been no argument that I've ever seen that that investigation was wrong. And I can't remember their names. I can't remember their names right now. Maybe they're watching. I know both those investigators that did this report that Gail Shines approved. That's that investigation. I know them. One of them I had come speak in a class at the University of St. Francis out in Joliet when I was teaching there. And I can't remember either of their names right now. They're escaping me. What is this? Once again, someone put Lori Lightfoot in front of a camera and get her to answer these questions. Get the head of the law department to answer these questions. Find out who this lawyer was and get them fired. This duplicitous crap. So, as I said before, some of this I agree with early on. You, you're not going to get the city's lawyers, the Department of Law, to admit that things were so widespread that the entire department was doing it for a 20-year 20 peri twenty period. That's going to open them up to lawsuits for every person that went through the system at that point. Ain't happening. That was uh, a failure by Chip Mitchell that that made it into the article without being pushed back. The rest of the stuff, put a camera in Lightfoot's face. Um, BEZ should hear this every day until she answers questions, every day until the um, head of the law department answers questions. The Trib the Sun-Times should have it on the front page every day until she does. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. Okay, we're going to move on to our second segment now. This is a Sun-Times editorial titled, Any Way You Cut It, Significant Real Police Reform is Coming to Chicago. Okay, I want to say, I would love to say that this reform is going to make a difference. It isn't. Even if we get the compromised version of the Community Commission, because that's what this is talking about, even if we get the compromised version and we get a, um, we get, um, a, refer a binding referendum, and I think the binding referendum would probably pass, I still don't think it's going to make that much of a difference on brutality in the city and bad policing. I just don't think it's going to. I hope it does. I don't think either one will. I think even much, much, much less so from the mayor's version will not do anything. And this is what this editorial from the Sun-Times is backing the mayor's version of the community commission. Now, she did take some aspects of the compromised version when she wrote hers. But why the hell would I allow a politician who campaigned on passing the GAPA version, Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability version, that was active when she was running for mayor in 2019, why would I hell would I let that 
politician who campaigned on passing it in the first 100 days, 730 plus days later, pass a watered down version she wrote by herself with no community input after community groups, various, many, several, probably a couple dozen, have spent six years, five years, sorry, five years working on this community commission. No, it's a joke. And this is why I think we got to get, we should do away with editorial pages completely. They're useless. Fire all of the editors, for all the people on the editorial board and hire journalists, hire investigative reporters. We'd all be much better off. We don't need any lame, um, bootlicking, power, um, power worshiping, mostly white people, telling us what they believe when they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They are always, the tribunists sometimes are always going to push the weakest reform they possibly can. The weakest version. The mayor's version will do nothing. Zero. This is theater. Passing it is a joke. Joke, joke, joke. Don't pass it. Period. It's a joke. And it probably will pass. Because, once again, the city council is worthless. And if you can, we're going to show you Tuesday morning, 9 a.m., how worthless is the city council on policing and police oversight? We're going to show you. We're releasing a report Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Central. Mm. You can go to our website and get on our mailing list if you want to get immediate notification of that or follow us on any of the platforms you're watching us now, and you'll see that report. But pretty, pretty, um, pretty, pretty worthless. But let's get back to this article. The big issue is who has power? Now, tell someone tell me, if you can, you can comments, I get them all from either any of the platforms and get them right to me on my iPad here. What has, what has been good in Chicago policing from that we should retain mayoral control over who hires and fires a superintendent? What have they done good for Chicago? Can you think of the list of fools and politically corrupt and abusive and horrific, almost all of them, superintendents we have had? David Brown, current one, he's a joke and a fraud. Um, I'm not going to back the guy from L.A. wasn't here very long. Eddie Johnson, he, he burned down in flames and should have never had the job. Um, McCarthy, Superintendent McCarthy, he had a horrible history in New York. He should have never been in Chicago. His policies to transform the police department into New York failed miserably. That's why Beck undid them immediately, and Eddie Johnson undid them more. I mean, Eddie Johnson undid them more, then Beck undid them more, and Brown undid them, undid them, undid them more, right? I mean, you can go on the line. I guess the least probably corrupt was the FBI guy, Jody Weiss. I don't know if he was a good superintendent, but he's probably least corrupt. Um, Phil... Phil Klein, horrific, should have never been police superintendent. So you look at just even the recent past. What of that crew makes you say, oh, yeah, you know what, the mayor, you pick well, you should have control over it. I don't see that. I don't see it at all. Zero. So let's go to a couple quotes. We stand firmly with the mayor on this. The mayor retaining control over the fire, hire and fire the superintendent. The people of Chicago will always demand action from the mayor, not some semi-anonymous elected board. When crime rates soar, the police screw up. Strip any mayor of that most basic power, the authority to hire and fire the superintendent, and watch accountability fly out the window. Chicago, tell me where accountability has been good in Chicago. Anyone, tell me. It's been 120 years. You have some time. Tell me where it's been good. Tell me where it's been good. How the hell does the Sun-Times say this? Watch accountability go out the window. One accountability. Where? Where has it been good? Right? Where has it been good? Laquan McDonald. SOS unit going bad. Joseph Majanowski. Austin 10. I'm missing some. I'm sure they're not all rushing to my head. Not to mention 20 years of Burge. But you can go unit to unit, year after year after year after year, and find the corruption and, and scandals and robbery and brutality and murder. Where's the accountability been good? How much worse could the accountability be by an elected board? And by the way, sometimes editorial board, the mayor is elected. And the only reason the people on whatever board, 
this commission that's going to be elected. The only reason they're anonymous is because of you. Your paper sucks. Your reporting on crime and violence sucks. That's your fault if they're anonymous. The fact that people in Chicago don't know who are on the police board, that's your fault. The people in Chicago, your readers don't know who's running COPA, that's your fault. You suck. The people don't know who's running the who's in the deputy public safety inspector general's office. That's your fault. You suck. You're in charge of keeping those people accountable. You're in charge of making the public know who those people are. You're in charge for your readers. If you can't do it, you suck it out of the business. The editorial board obviously thinks their reporters and their staff can't hack it on keeping anyone accountable. So the only one we're ever going to cover is the mayor. I mean, I bet you half the people in Chicago have no idea who the goddamn alderman is. Is it the, their fault or is it your fault, media? Is it your fault sometimes? They're a semi-anonymous bullshit. That is bullshit. They're anonymous because you don't do your work. Because it's easier to send reporters to homicide scenes. It's that body bag journalism. It's been that way for 40 years, 50 years in Chicago, and you just perpetuate it. The fact that they don't know who's on the police board and making a decision and going in every month uh, and going in depth in every month about those decisions, it's your fault. You suck. You have the power to change that. You do not. You just keep, keep licking the boots of power. Mayor Lightfoot's elected. The board's elected. What is the difference on accountability? If the people don't like the superintendent job or they don't like the people who put that superintendent in, they can vote the board out just like they can vote the mayor out. That's a bullshit argument. I don't know if there are good or bad arguments against um, the commission. I am in generally in favor of it. I was never involved in favor of the CPAC's version, uh, Citizen Police Accountability Council. I was in favor of GAPA's version. I am in favor generally of the compromise version. This is not an argument against it. This is weak, shitty, um, licking the boots of power crap. And this is, but this is what our papers do, especially our editorial pages. Don't blame us for our coverage. We suck and we can't possibly do the work so you know people that are on the boards and making all the decisions. We can only cover the mayor because we can just stick Fran Spielman, who's horrific. How anyone in Chicago thinks she's good, it's mind-blowing. She's horrific. We just stick her in City Hall and she can write three articles a day and we're all set. Ah, oh, angers. Okay, one more quote. What's more, but what's more significant to our thinking is, is the degree to which the mayor's plan incorporates other elements of proposals by reform advocates. The police department still would be placed under stronger, though not ultimate, civilian oversight. Civilian oversight sucks in Chicago. Uh, COPA, Citizen Office of Police Accountability, I helped write the ordinance to create it. It sucks. The Deputy Public Safety Inspector General's Office, I got to tell you, I really like that one, actually. They're doing pretty good work. Don't like Joe Ferguson much, but I like the, I like the office. Um, IPRA sucked. The Office of Professional Standards, was in, was inside the department, sucked. The police board, for the most part, sucks. Adding more civilian review to a system that sucks and has routinely sucked. It doesn't mean the people running these institutions haven't worked their butt off them, but hard. They've been massively understaffed and massively under-resourced. Politicians, put more money in. Stop paying for the cranes and the tiffs and put it towards police accountability. No, 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 no. So this is the Sun-Times licking the power, the boots of power, and there's nothing else should be expected. That's why we need to get rid of editorial boards. Um, and, you know, you guys could probably, you know, someone at the paper, you could probably change how they cover things. We could probably, you know, learn a little more about the head of COPA and what's going on in each investigation and what's going on in front of the police board. But they would take work. You're, you're just much better off getting people to go to homicide scenes and get quotes from families. That's hardcore, you know, hardcore hitting the streets journalism. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this one really befuddles me. Here's the, it's also the Sun-Times. We're just going to pick on the Sun-Times. I don't really mind the article. I just mind the actual mayor here on this one. Oh, my God. It's a Fran, I think. It's a Franny. First new Boys and Girls Club of Chicago in a generation to be built on campus of $95 million police and fire training academy. Yeah, this one, ladies and gentlemen, I just don't understand. Well, let me back up and say, 
I think the mayor, to some degree, thinks that by putting on the police academy, it will be somewhat safer in that there will be police around, right, on the police academy campus. Is that a good reason to put it there? No. Are kids going to go there? Are as many kids going to go there as would have if it wasn't on the campus and it was run independently? No way. No way. It's almost, almost guaranteeing that it will fail and fail miserably. Now, do I really think what the mayor is doing is about safety? I do not. Do I think what the mayor is doing uh, is about money? Of course. They own the land already, so why not build something there that you don't have to acquire more land? It's cheaper. Now, if this was something for rich white people, the north side of the city, that'd be, you know, they'd buy up 50 lots just to make one boys and girls club. Come on. That's why we pay for all the cranes and all the building that's going on in the south and west loops, Fulton Market area. Let's take a look at a couple quotes here quickly. In March 2018, then police board Lori Lightfoot, police board president Lori, oh, I'm sorry. Police board president Lightfoot told the City Club of Chicago that CPD desperately needs a new training facility. But Emanuel's plan to build the complex in the West Garfield Park was ill-conceived. Hold on, though. Listen to her spin. I think she knew it was running before. Putting this edifice to policing in a high-crime, impoverished neighborhood where relations between the police and the community are fraught, without a clear plan for community engagement, is a mistake. There you go. That was her spin. It wasn't where he was putting it. It was that you needed community engagement. And I think if you could ever tie her down and get a straight answer from her, which is almost impossible because she's a hack politician like the rest of them, she'd say, well, we're doing the community engagement. That's part of the Boys and Girls Club. You see that? See the trick she's pulling there? Okay, one more. The allocation of any funds for a police academy is viewed by, by many as further affirmation that needs of the people will never be prioritized over those of the police. A month after, there was candidate Lightfoot. A month after taking office, Lightfoot dramatically changed her tune. Because she's a professional flip-flopper. That is what Lori Lightfoot does. She's a professional at it. This is what politicians do in Chicago. They do whatever they can to find as much money to do as many things for rich white people as they possibly can and do whatever they can to make it seem like they're doing things for communities on the south and west side, black and brown communities, and do as little and spend as little as humanly possible. This is why Lori Lightfoot has $898 million or $989 million in TIF money, tax income and finance money, and almost none of that goes to the south and west sides. With one swipe of her pen, she could turn it all into money for the south and west sides. But why would she do that? That's not something they do. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a break, and then we'll be back in one minute to talk about some national-level stuff that we're going to apply to Chicago. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today. CJP Nation. All right, welcome back. So I promised you some national level stuff. So here we go. So Brookings Institute. This is just kind of a post on their website. I came across it through Twitter, I believe. It's really interesting. It talks about seven myths of title seven myths about defunding the police debunked. Okay, first, defund means abolish. I, I differ with um, Brookings a little bit here in that 
for some of the population, some of the people that are on the streets last year related to George Floyd, it definitely means abolish. But I think for most people, like myself, and many criminal justice scholars and researchers, it means reallocating some of the funds that go for police to other social services that have better results. People interested in what that would be, go look at an archive for Cahoots, our show with Cahoots, Tim Black and Ebony, can't remember Ebony's last name, but Tim and Ebony from Cahoots, uh, it's a program in Eugene, Oregon about um, crisis response. What well, is possible if you put your mind to it, it's been operating 30 years, so you, know, you don't have to wait around like Lightfoot is. Okay, defunding will lead to disorder, untrue, as we'll talk about soon, hopefully we'll get to it in Charlotte. It will not lead to disorder. The reality is, despite research in the 90s about broken windows theory working so well in New York, the crime was already going down in New York before broken windows started and broken windows had, it seems from follow-up research, very little to do with happening in New York and gentrification because i mean you were talking rent controlled 500 dollars a month apartments now may cost five seven eight thousand dollars a month things change a little bit about street crime when that happens um, but that is just not true all right um i know people the public and especially the police have this view that they're the only ones keeping disorder down that is untrue the research does not show that it does not bear that number three please protect the public from violence well really a little bit of this is true, but let me give you some stats that are in this to just give you a little bit of clarification. I think, and I've argued with, I had an argument with a professor from Lewis University in Chicago about this. The existence of police is a deterrent for some, very few, but a deterrent for some that we have the police and we have a criminal justice system and incarceration. But that's very few. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Please protect the public from violence. All right, really? So this is what the police did not solve. 70% of robberies, 66% of rapes, 47% of aggravated assaults, and 38% of murders go unsolved each year nationally. Now, you want to, those numbers are actually much, 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 much worse if you dig into them and get around the propaganda that is how uh, police departments say things are cleared. Those numbers are actually much, much worse. Yes, the public has no idea how few crimes are actually solved. I know we want to believe that they're all solved, or like two-thirds or 80% isn't happening. Um... So that's a bit of propaganda the public is built into it. Community programs won't work. That is wrong. What doesn't work is arresting a drug addict and putting them in jail where they get access to drugs or putting them in prison they get access to drugs. And then disconnecting them from their families, any kind of job they were holding, apartment they were holding, family they may have. That doesn't work. Our recidivism rates are like 70% for most crimes now. How much worse could community-based programs and social services and crisis response actually be? Besides the fact that you would free up cops to spend time actually trying to solve robberies and rapes and aggravated assaults and, 30, and more than 38 or the 38% of murders that go unsolved. Most police work in, is focused on crime prevention. Wrong, 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 wrong. The police prevent very little crime in their day-to-day -day work. Most of it, they would say they do it by arresting low-level people from offending again, but then... No. Most of the people uh, traverse the system quickly, get in and out, and can reoffend very quickly if they so choose. That is not reality. Um, and focusing on small crimes, as we're going to see with Charlotte, if we get to it, probably not the best policy. Police officers do not need college degrees. I am strongly, strongly, strongly against this. I understand that not everyone should go to college, but I think it's fair to say if we're going to give people a gun and a license to kill people and use force, and the only people in our society that outside of the army who's not supposed to use it inside the country, the only people who are in our communities that have that power, they should at least have a degree. Or, hey, make the academy two or three years and really, really deep train them. Then I'd be open to that. But a six-month or four-month academy, no. If it's either that or a degree, then we have to have, they have to have degrees. Defunding the police is a knee-jerk reaction with no research. Wrong, 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 wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, crisis response has been up in Eugene, Oregon and Springfield, Oregon for 30-plus years. Eugene for 30-plus years. 30 years. They have a long track record of success.
And the reality is, we have the data, and we'll be publishing hopefully later this summer, to please spend their times on most of the stupidest things. People think they're running around from murder to murder to murder to murder. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. Um, it is not a knee-jerk reaction. There's plenty of research. The cops themselves know. They know who the beaters are on their, on their beats. If you talk to a beat cop, who beats their spouse? They know it. What solution do they have? Well, they arrest the guy, he get, or guy or woman, mostly men, beating their uh, wives or girlfriends or partners. Mostly men. They arrest them, they get out in a day or two, and then the women are in a shitty situation because they lock the guy up, and then there's more violence after that. It's just ridiculous. Drug treatment, they don't give them drug treatment. They're mental health treatment. They don't get mental health treatment. So locking them up for having those problems doesn't do any good. We are a short-term solution society, especially when it comes to services for the poor, um, for those in the most need. If you're rich and white, we have long-term plans with funneling money like crazy to make you richer. Don't worry about that. If one thing we are good is helping white, rich white people get even richer. And Lightfoot is no difference. Look at tax increment financing and look what she has done. And by the way, I'm going to tell you what she has done. Nothing to change that system. Okay. We're going to move on to our next segment. And this comes from Minneapolis. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Defunding the police has led to more crime. The cost for defunding the police have led to more crime in Minneapolis. Well, actually, he's wrong. Now, how do I know he's wrong? Well, let me just say this. He has had, he has absolutely no proof. In getting the evidence in the midst of a pandemic, nearly, if not completely, and utterly impossible. This year, these past 12 or 14 or 15 months are comparable to no other 12 or 14 months that we have had in this country for 103 years, 102 years. I'm sorry, I think it's 102 years. So he has no idea what has caused crime or up. Crime has gone up everywhere. All the major cities have had violence and upticks. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But he's a politician, so of course he's spinning it to whatever he thinks is good. It's just sad. He has no evidence of that. But you're a politician, you're speaking to the media, you don't have to have evidence. Um, I mean, politicians, for the most part, are whores. They'll say and do anything that provides them an avenue to gain <clears throat> or to minimize damage. The, and I've said this a million times on the show, I'm probably going to say it a million more. The financial, health, housing, employment, insecurity that the pandemic has brought with them was unprecedented. In trying to ferret out that effect from the effect of defund the police to, hey, the cops are, are like really killing a lot of unarmed black people. Now we're getting videos to see that. How do you ferret out what it is? The, I am appalled that he has the gall to say this on television. His department, his police department, an officer, kneel on this guy's neck. George Floyd's neck for nine and a half minutes on video. It wasn't the last time he's being charged federal crimes for doing it to another black kid, 17-year-old, for like 15 minutes. This department has been proven it's broken. It's under a federal um, civil rights investigation. How about what your, what your department and lack of accountability and lack of political accountability caused? He doesn't care about that because he doesn't want to look at that. He wants to blame black and brown people for the crime, as always. The allegations insanity. Does he have evidence to ever support it? No, he's a politician. They never have it. Never. So in the midst of a pandemic, he's going to pull one thing out and say, I know that caused more crime. He doesn't, but he's a politician, so they never have to back up the shit they say. <sighs> Frustrating, especially from someone from Minneapolis. You think after everything that happened, he would just shut his mouth and go about trying to fix the police department and fix the economics of the city instead of talking like that. But... Once again, he's a politician, so what shuts them up ever? Okay, our next segment. This one should scare the hell out of all of us. There's an app called Citizen. I know it's active in Chicago. I'm pretty sure I know it's active in D.C. because I check in on it every once in a while. This is an article from Vice. 
and the article is entitled, Leaked Emails Show Crime App Citizen is Testing On-Demand Security Force. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The app is partnering with private security firms, and we'll get to who they are in a minute, to send people on-demand security force. Yes, you heard that right. Wow, that's going to go good. A bunch of really poorly trained, probably really poorly educated, armed men, men and women, are going to come on demand for some users. What happens if one citizen user calls it on one person and that other person calls it on the other person? Man, just when you think this country can't get sicker or weirder, here you are with citizen. Okay. In short, this is a quote. The product described as security response and in internal emails would have citizens send a car with private security forces to an app user. According to a former employee, a private security company working with citizen would provide the response staff, the former employees added. A second citizen source confirmed this description of the service. So I forgot the first city that they're using Securitas, and I don't think it is Chicago, um, but it's a major city. And the second city is L.A., and I know it's L.A. because they're in there, a citizen is working out a contract with the Los Angeles Professional Security Company. So the, the first security company is Securitas. So they're going to hire on demand, I have on call, these private security companies. I don't understand, like, you can get police response in like five minutes most times if there's armed violence. I don't understand. But what does the police think? Let's check this out. Here's another quote. One of the emails says that Citizen has pitched the security response service to Los Angeles Police Department at a high level. The email claims the LAPD said the solution could be a game changer. The email adds that the LAPD has been overrun with property crime and the agency has effectively thrown its hands up because they don't have enough officers on the street to respond to these sort of calls. LAPD did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Neither, neither did Citizen or Securitas. Shocking. Now, my God, what could go wrong with that? Okay, first of all, if there's someone, if there's a need, if there's a violence or a threat of violence, you're going to call the police, right? So what the hell is they doing? See, that's a lie. If you get a if you're burglarized, you come home and your house was broken into, are you going to call the police to report a crime so that you can get the police report and file it with your insurance company? You're going to call Securitas to what? Stand around your house for a little while? I don't understand. It's not a great article. They should have done more digging into what that security force is going to do. Obviously, the LAPD is full of crapola. Police departments around the country, Oakland, I think, started. Chicago's doing it and others. They're getting around, getting away from responding to property crimes whatsoever. They don't need property crimes. They don't need a response. Um, for property crimes at all, I don't understand. We don't need cops showing up if your car is was stolen and it's gone or your house is burglarized and there's no one in it or someone broke into your garage and no one's in it but it's gone with your lawnmower or bike or whatever why do we need an armed man show an armed person showing up to it i don't understand um that spin from the la police i would bet i don't understand like i don't think average cops want armed security on demand that they're going to have to worry about confronting is the armed security going to allow the LAPD, if they come in, to arrest the person who called for the armed security to be there? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. But So that is what's coming in modern um, on-demand private security companies. On-demand private security force. Unbelievable. Okay. Here is our last segment of the day. And this is from... WFAE in Charlotte is a really interesting article or news story, I should say, because it's a radio one. Police pull back how arrest citations plummeted in Charlotte. This is from a few weeks ago. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Since Ferguson, 
the Charlotte Police Department has routinely, more and more every year, stopped making arrests for small property crimes, larceny property crimes, right? And all kinds of other small things, including marijuana. And you know what? Since 2009, crime and violence have dropped, 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 dropped every year. That's right. You give, what you're giving is your armed officers more time to focus on violence and not the stupid things. Arrests from 2009 to 2019 nationally fell by 21%, Charlotte by 46, more than double, and crime kept dropping. Also, citations where they can write you a ticket for like marijuana and other small things, those have plummeted. The reality is there's less proactive policing on small issues. That here, our, 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 in Chicago, the police union boss, John Conzara, loves it. We got more research coming out of him in the beginning of uh, July. Um, at least it's a target date. Um, but they're basically ignoring petty crimes, petty quality of life stuff. They're ignoring it. Larceny stuff. They get to the scene and they catch someone stealing, shoplifting something small or something. Unless they have a really long history, they go. Yep. And crime drop, 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 drop in Charlotte during that time. Hmm. How much, someone again, how much do police have an effect on crime and violence? Hmm. How much does broken windows work? Hmm. Yep. There's evidence kind of 12-year experiment kind of slaps that all right in the face. Now, people are going to say, well, homicides, and they did. Homicides ticked up in 2020. I will say it again and again and again and again. You cannot take 2020 numbers and compare it to anything. It's going to be a blip on most screens, um, at least we hope. The pandemic, jobs are getting added as there's more security around our health and economic and housing. I believe a lot of those things are just going to reset. Um, it's interesting that even... The police superintendent now is a longtime police officer, really, really in favor of the reducing the arrest, reducing the footprint of the police department, um, which is really encouraging. And he's also bringing in, which I think is hilarious, um, and I don't understand why they didn't get it before, customer service training. That's right. That's right. Wow, what a f several years it's been. The police getting de-escalation and customer service training. Who would have figured that we needed to train guys with guys and girls with guys and men, women, cops with guns? We needed to give them, we needed to train them on how to de-escalate situations. Why that wasn't the first course in the academy for the last 120 years is mind-boggling, right? Well, you would have thought the second course is customer service training. You are a service-oriented agency. Whether you want to like it or not, you do customer service. So here's the response. We're going to end on this response from the union. I know basically, if you're watching this, you can pretty much guess what the response was. If there was no connection between policing and crime, I don't know why anyone would bother funding a police department. The fact of the matter is that criminals do change their behavior based on the expectation of being stopped. Ask a few questions of possibly being arrested. That's stop and frisk, ladies and gentlemen. That's stop and frisk. It had a huge impact in New York, right? hundreds of thousands of stops a year and then all of a sudden they the court forced them to stop almost all of them and what happened man crime shot way up no that's right wait a minute it went down to under chicago's homicide numbers wait a minute does that mean this police union person is full of shit oh yeah i think that's what they i think that's what it means is there is there a relationship between crime and violence and police to some degree, yes, but that relationship is much smaller than any police union person or any police department leader wants to admit, except for the, probably the one in Charlotte. They just don't want to admit it. The fact is when you have such a no-tolerance policy for small stuff, you ruin, you having such an impact on their lives that you're increased significantly, statistically increasing that person's likelihood of being system involved for the rest of their lives. We know that with children, you slap cuffs on a kid, the likelihood statistically that they are system involved for the rest of their lives compared to a 
kid who did the same behavior but didn't have cuffs slapped on him is significant. But this is data and science and research and unions. Police unions don't like that. It's mostly white guys saying, I know exactly what I need to know, and that's all I need to know. And I know it because I'm white and male and straight most of the time, and I do what I do, and that's all I need to know. It's so sad. But look at Charlotte. Look at how they dropped their arrests by half, and crime kept going down. That is a massive change that should be on the national news. I mean, it certainly should be on the news in Chicago um, as conversations have been rebuffed and rebuffed and rebuffed by the mayor about defunding the police. Um, and she does these little trial things, even though we need all we need. We know all we need to in, Den, uh, in Eugene. And now we're getting places where it's replicated in San Diego and Denver and Rochester and New York City. And I'm missing a few that aren't coming to mind, but it's being replicated all over the country. There are tests being done all over the country. Um, we don't need Chicago to slow walk it as slow as possible because that's what our politicians do. They love talking reform when they're a candidate and they love not doing it while they're in office. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Next week, we return to our Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5.30 Central. If you got um, topics for the show, people you want interviewed on the show, let me know. Drop me a note at info chicagojustice.org or hit us up on out of the various platforms we're on, Instagram. We're now going to be next week starting TikTok. We're on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. And am I missing any? I don't think you can hit us up on any of those. Um, and we're going to be start sharing more content from the show across all those channels starting hopefully next week. And then uh, we have our show next week on Monday, Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. We have a report release. We're going to show you just how useless the city council is. And then we're going to have an Instagram live. And I'll hit, um, I'll let you know on Monday about the time we're going to have an Instagram live with myself and the author of the report, Lauren, to talk, uh, talk about the uh, report and answer your questions live. Okay, thank you, everyone. Have a great uh, weekend.